Well, hey there, Tony here again uh, with the Words and Music of Faith, Hope, and Love podcast, episode, nope, I almost said 15, episode 18. And um, I'm just going to go right into it this week um, because I have a couple other uh, recording obligations I have to do. And I'm also expecting some uh, kind of booming weather here, so uh, I don't want to get too noisy. If you hear anything in the background... Uh, I try to filter out as much noise as I can, but sometimes you might hear something like a little bit of uh, dropping or something like that of uh, rain in the gutter. <laughs> I don't, I don't have a completely soundproof studio, so uh, if you hear anything like that, that's what it is. But uh, anyway, I hope everything's going well for you so far this week, and uh, uh, let's get right into it. This is still in First Corinthians, where Paul is talking about judging. Of all things, you hear so much of that in the world about, you know, I don't want to be judgmental and uh, stop judging me. And I mean, you see that all over the place. But um, I wrote about how it's good to be a good judge of character. When I was a kid, my parents and grandparents would often say things like, if everyone else jumped off a cliff, would you? Or, yeah, Johnny's parents let him stay out late, but look at all the trouble he gets into. Now, of course, when you're a kid... You just think the old folks are trying to keep you from having fun. And actually, they want you to mature wisely and be a good judge of character. Yep, I said good judge of character. I know it's not the end thing anymore to judge others. It seems everyone is afraid of being thought of as judgmental. And this is while everyone, yes, everyone, is judgmental. This includes you. So examine your own thoughts as you read this, especially if you disagree with me, and see what sort of thoughts cross your mind about me. Are those thoughts of tolerance and celebration of my diverse, or in other words, different opinion? Or did you just maybe have a couple of thoughts about how harsh I sound? Have you already made a decision not to listen to this podcast anymore? Or read the articles on my website? Guess what? Decision? is synonymous with judgment. You judged my articles and my podcast not worthy of your time. And that's quite all right. I can totally respect your negative judgment of my writing as long as you take ownership of your decision. It would be unrealistic of me to expect everyone to agree with me or enjoy my work. And if you judge my worldview to be discordant with yours, I wouldn't expect you to spend much time listening to me, or reading what I write. However, that doesn't necessarily make you a good judge of character. My views may differ from yours, but that doesn't make either one of us a seedy character. Our character should come into question when we choose to lie or steal, murder, or otherwise do injustice to our fellow human beings. And it's good to be able to examine someone with wise discernment. That ability can save a lot of grief and heartache in life. And here's my final thought on that. If there's no such thing as universal morality, if it's all just, you know, relative to how you feel about it personally, then please just ignore me because I'm just probably another one of those knucklehead Christians trying to make everyone live by my weird rules. But if there is a morality that's designed for us all, then it may be a good idea to learn to be a good judge of character. Now, I once was lost. 
And I, I'm sure that you've even heard that, even if you don't go to church or you're, you don't claim to be a Christian, you've probably heard that being sung in a song, maybe even in the background of a movie. Well, even people who have no love at all for the Bible, Jesus, or God have heard the song Amazing Grace. You know the one I'm talking about where it says, I once was lost, but now am found. I, I gotta take a, an excuse to sing, sorry. But being lost in the world isn't a sin or a crime. It can certainly be an inconvenience, but the only punishment you receive for being lost is time lost. However, the lost Amazing Grace describes is the condition of the world you're born into and the condition of your own soul-spirit. You're born into sin, and the punishment of sin is time lost too. However, it's time without end, eternity. If you're not a Christian, you're still in this condition. And this condition wreaks havoc with the physical, emotional, and spiritual health of everyone, even Christians. That's because no matter what worldview you follow, you do wield some influence on others around you. Because you're a free will personality, even if you have a general disregard for love and human life, you can spread your apathy to anyone not equipped to deal with it. And Christians aren't immune to the negative temptations of the world. Even someone who genuinely loves and trusts Jesus needs to guard against being deceived, or worse, becoming a deceiver. Sin is a powerful force. A mere man, as Paul describes it, a mere man or woman cannot completely resist or overcome it. Giving in to it causes even Christian brothers to seek to do one another harm. I know this is true from personal experience. Now, the Apostle Paul wrote in 1 Corinthians, and I quote, Is it so that there is not a wise man among you, not even one who will be able to judge between his brethren? He was talking about how some of the Corinthians were taking a matter against another to the courts of the day. He described those courts as unrighteous. You know what? Courts today, they are too. They're the same. Paul knew that Christians need to solve their differences among themselves with the help of the wisdom of God from the Holy Spirit. As Christians, we're eventually going to judge the world. And that's a quote from Paul's writings too. Judge the world. So if you can sing from a redeemed heart, I once was lost, but now am found, you should also be able to confidently sing, was blind, but now I see. Don't be deceived. Not everyone will inherit the kingdom of God, but it's offered to everyone. If you can't seem to find it, or don't know where to look, contact me right now. Either call or email or respond to my newsletter wherever you find the way to contact. And I can show you the way. And you know what? The way is a description of Jesus. And what he did on the cross, and I know you've heard this, it bought you. It paid for you. You were bought at a price. A great, great price. And by great, I don't mean awesome deal. I mean it cost him everything. When Paul wrote in 1 Corinthians, 
all things are lawful for me. He was talking about grace, the grace offered to everyone by Jesus. Jesus paid for the grace that's freely offered to you, but grace and you were bought at a price, the highest price ever paid for anything in the history of the world, for anything, his life. These days, all around me, I see people of all sizes, colors, ethnicities, and persuasions seeking to become more enlightened or more spiritual. Now, while you should aspire to regain your spirit, found only in Jesus, by the way, I think it's important to remember that you're still a physical being. You inhabit a physical body, and you should also seek to hold it in higher regard. I'm not talking about some new trendy diet or exercise regimen. Although putting some good food into your body and taking it out for some fresh air and sunshine is an awesome idea, treating it better sexually has healthy spiritual benefits. Paul admonished us to flee sexual immorality. That means run. Don't walk. Run away from it. He talked about how every other sin that a man does is outside the body. But whoever commits sexual immorality, and don't fool yourself, you know what that means, sins against his own body. In other words, you hurt your own body. Almost everyone has done this, but that's no excuse. I mean, Paul thought this was an issue important enough to include it in his letter to the Corinthians. He told them, quote, For you were bought at a price. Therefore, glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. If you're a Christian, maybe it will help to remember that the Holy Spirit dwells in you and you are not your own. You were bought at a price. And hopefully that helps you to have some self-control in your life. In areas where maybe you have a lack of self-control. Is a lack of self-control a good enough reason to get married? Well, Paul talks about that in 1 Corinthians and... The answer to that is maybe. In 1 Corinthians, Paul wrote, It is good for a man not to touch a woman. <laughs> what? At first glance, that sounds like you shouldn't get married. But he's showing us how we distract one another from a more focused service to God. And thankfully, Paul doesn't stop there. He goes on to say that marriage is a good thing. It keeps us from doing all those sexual things that aren't good for us. It's an indicator of God's approval of sex between a man and a woman, but within the constraints of marriage. God knows how almost all men have a harmful lack of self-control. And God, after all, is the one who invented sex. He could have made it a terrible chore, but instead he made it a very pleasurable thing for enjoyment so we would be fruitful and multiply. Paul explains how a man is supposed to have a wife, and a woman is supposed to have a husband. And you're not supposed to withhold your affection from one another. That's how you make sure that Satan does not tempt you because of your lack of self-control. We're not commanded to marry. It's not a requirement for salvation, grace, or any other thing. Marriage is for your health and abundant life if you have a lack of self-control over your own body. In other words, if you know you burn with passion... Find a good woman or man and marry. Then share all the love and affection you have within you and give your bodies over to one another in passion that springs from that love. 
And of course, if you have self-control in matters of sex, then consider serving God and not getting married, because you'll have a sharper focus on Him without the distractions and needs of a helpmate. But married or not, seek ways you can serve the God who knit you together in the womb. You exist at the hands of the ultimate designer, and He knows what it takes for your best health and happiness. That's why he also says to keep your marriage vows. But there's more to it. There's a sentence in 1 Corinthians 7, 10-16, and it really stands out to me. It's in a passage where Paul says to keep your marriage vows. Before I get to that standout sentence, I'd like to talk about the gist of Paul's words. If you're already married, a wife is, as he says, not to depart from her husband and... Quoting again, a husband is not to divorce his wife. Read that passage and see how Paul calls it a command, but then he says, but even if she does depart. And this shows that while God commands you to keep your marriage vows rather than live in a constant state of unhealthy sexual behavior, he allows for divorce. He knows many men and women have a lack of self-control and will not keep their vows. God doesn't want you to divorce, but He doesn't want you to be a whipping post for a neglectful, abusive, or unfaithful spouse either. Paul writes how this applies even when a believer is married an unbeliever. The vows are still in effect. And I believe the reason Paul writes so much about this is found in that standout sentence I mentioned before. That sentence is, But God has called us to peace. As I look at all the other texts in context, that sentence doesn't seem to fit in with the marriage vows or divorce clauses or whether or not a believer should be married to an unbeliever. But when you think about how much violence occurs in households where vows are forgotten, it makes total sense. God wants you to have peace. He wants you to be healthy, happy, and have life abundantly. If you want peace, give peace. If you want love, give love. If you want to be cared for in sickness and in health, care for your spouse in sickness and in health. When you keep your marriage vows, it doesn't guarantee your husband or wife will too. But if you don't keep them, it does guarantee you won't have the peace you've been called to by God. And when you don't have the peace, you know what you are? You've become a slave. You've become a slave to something. And going further in 1 Corinthians, Paul says, Do not be slaves to men. You've probably heard the expression, The truth shall make you free, right? Well, this isn't truth according to your feelings or interpretations. And this isn't some organic or changing truth devised by mere men. It's the truth found in God's Word in the Bible. And God says, through Paul's letter to the Corinthians, do not become slaves of men. Mere men make up all kinds of rules for you. Don't believe me? Just look at the United States Congress. Their so-called job, day in and day out, is to come up with more rules, or to amend current rules, or to nullify rules they determine to be inconvenient to current events. You know what? They remind me of little kids who make up the rules to a game as they go along. Well, little kids have a good excuse for their tiny minds. 
Grown men and women, do not. If you've been saved by the grace of Jesus, you can still be the you God designed you to be. You don't have to or need to become like anyone else. For obvious reasons, let me use this example. If you're a musician and you feel God's calling on your heart, you can still be a musician. You don't have to become a banker. God can use you where you're called. Paul wrote, He who is called in the Lord while a slave is the Lord's freedman. Freedman. Likewise, he who is called while free is Christ's slave. That's a metaphor for how God bought and paid for you with the blood of his son Jesus. So if you're going to be anyone's slave, make it Jesus. But for heaven's sake, do not become slaves of men. Well, I hope that brings you some encouragement and inspiration. And uh, let me also encourage you to uh, jump into the Bible yourself. And I think you'll find that if you, if you really are seeking truth, I think you're going to find it there. I really believe that. And if I didn't believe that, I wouldn't go to all this trouble every week. Um, I know how much it's changed my life, and I believe it can change anyone's life who needs, you know, answers. So uh, that does it for the Words and Music of Faith, Hope, and Love podcast, episode number 18. I'm glad you were here with me, and I hope, uh, hope you'll be here with me next time. And until then, God bless.